My name is Jimmy, sometimes Jimmy J, and sometimes Shay. This is a podcast about human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. So, hello, how are you, and welcome to episode 67 of The Twilight Conversations. Inspired by Betty Blue, I'll get back to Betty now in a few minutes, from last the last interview. Um, I'm going to call this episode, It's a Family Affair, which some of you will know, it's a Sly in the Family Stone song. A little bit to do with them, but I'll name that later on, but more to do with, um, I'm going to look at kind of trans, transgenerational, transfamilial, transpersonal, trans, lots of trans stuff, trans inter- intergenerational, just how, in simple terms, how pain and suffering is passed down through uh Families, I'll be looking at epigenetics. Oh, what the fuck that is? It just sounds good. <laughs> I know a tiny bit about it, you know, and aces and uh, different stuff like that. But really, what I want to explore is the kind of breaking the chain, you know, um, as Betty has certainly uh, did uh, for us. She didn't visit upon us what was visited upon her to the best of her ability with the kind of broken tools she had. She reared six children pretty much on her own um, under very difficult circumstances. If those of you that heard her interview will know, and that's not even the half of it, obviously. Might get her on again. Uh, she's got loads of stories. Um, but also carrying the trauma and pain she was carrying and that I've no doubt her mom carried and her father carried and so forth. And again, looking at it this way is not about making excuses for anyone. It's about context and understanding. It's also about the the wonderful refreshing opportunity we have to break those chains now as many people are doing like we can we, no matter what's going on no matter what we're carrying we can change it's simple we can change and you know with the, the help of science and neuroscience and epigenetics and all kinds of stuff now those cha- you know neuroplasticity all that type of stuff those changes can be quite fundamental and palpable so it, it can seem hopeless when you think of all the trauma that's carried down through the years because I'm also going to look at like cultural and society trauma from the community, um, difficult communities. Um, I'll be naming uh, my favourite community where I spent most of my life really in terms of years-wise, Ballymun. Um, it could be any, you know, any difficult communi- community with difficulties in Dublin, Ireland, you get the world, you know, it's the same type of stuff goes on. But um, I lived there through the 80s and the 90s when it was seriously neglected. Um, And the impact on that, and and then at a world level, you know, how that all pans out, what happens. Um, So I suppose what we might call systems theory, looking at, I've touched on this a little bit before, but I want to bring it into play. And as I'm kind of thinking of all the different themes that could come in here, there might be a spin-off for another podcast here. So if I'm just brushing over something here, because they're they're big topics, right? But the important point I'm making is there is hope, because sometimes it can feel like, ah, fucking world trauma, you know, (laughs) fucking cultural trauma, us Irish have such trauma, you know, famine, colonization, we were raped by the British brutally, uh, language taken away, identity, all of the effects of that on, on, on us as a society, on us, in our genes, literally, that into, and all the ways, you know, surprising Ireland has such a high rate of addiction, particularly alcoholism, 
you know, you, you, you can't ignore the connection there. So again, this isn't about blame, it's context, and we still have choices, but it's about understanding the levels of suffering. You know, the whole, uh, Betty touched on it, you know, that the Catholic Church there, uh, absolutely negative effect with the abuses and the cover-ups. Sometimes it's the cover-ups that's worse than the abuses, isn't it, you know? And our inability to face things and, and just, no matter how difficult it is, try and talk, try and apologize, try and understand, try and get through things, you know, um, all of that, you know. And yeah, so what I'm, that's what, hope, what I'm hoping to look at today and how we can change that. And a lot of you know the different ways, but don't underestimate those changes, how they imp can influence those around us those to come, yet to come, and I believe those in the past as well, you know, because this is a cyclical thing. Those that have passed on can help heal us and we can help heal them. Now, you don't have to believe that. That's fine. That's just my own sense of things. Um, you know, we all want to heal. There's something about this earth journey that's pretty fucked up at times and crazy, but pretty magical at times as well. And we, I, I certainly sense this as an opportunity for something. Some days I don't feel like that opportunity. Liverpool got ripped off last week against sports, right? That's a trivial fucking thing. They did get ripped off. I know every supporter, they got ripped off usually. Anyway, those tiny little things to the huge injustice that we see in our world and in life, you know. At the same time, with that, there's such opportunity for transformation comes not for healing, for breaking those chains of behavior, whether that's in the self, which I started with, whether it's in the community, uh, country, culture, our lives and the globe and the universe, you know, so it's a big, big, there's lots there, isn't there? You know, but how a tiny, I suppose they used to call, is it the butterfly effect? You know, the, the old, well, it's not old, that kind of physics, science, physics piece that if the butterfly flaps its wings in, in one part of the world, you know, a tornado or an earthquake can happen in the other. Now, I don't think it has to be that negative, but just the interconnectedness, the delicate interconnection of all beings. Uh, of our planet, of the universe, all of that stuff. I'm fascinated by all of that, but I do believe we influence each other. Yes, we're as adults, we've all, we've all got to take responsibility for ourselves. Yeah, we can't kind of go, well, he's doing this or she's doing that, that's why in this way. We can look at that and kind of go, that's not really helping, but what, what am I going to do about it, kind of thing. So you'll hear me say, let it begin with me, which is a kind of a known slogan. So just to refer back, huge outpouring, inpouring uh, after Betty and my mum, Elizabeth Ailish, she'd be called as the Gaelic for she was called in school. Uh, but she was most commonly, everyone knows her as Betty, and more recently Betty Blue, because uh, Reds are christened or that, because I think because of her big blue eyes and because of, of it just fits nicely, Betty Blue. And there was that beautiful French member of the film, uh, Betty Blue, with that fabulous music in it. Um, they used to use it for an ad. Well, I can't think of the ad. Fabulous music from Betty Blue. Check it out. I can't. My French isn't good. I can't think of the title of it. But there's all those connections. It's a, it's a great, uh, great name. Anyway, I've been getting lots of feedback naturally. Um, some people crying all the way through it. I checked out with all my siblings, of course, before I did it. They're all happy about it. Betty was happy to do it. Happy, you know, it wasn't. It was a difficult listen. I know it was difficult to interview her, but I kind of knew some of those things, but not not strung together like that in that way. And then she got a chance to hear it and said, listen, if you don't want to put this out, there's no problem. She said, no, 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 I'm happy. She's quite strong that way. And that's my truth. That's part of my truth, she was saying. And I hope it will help someone. So there you go. 
and she's hoping it'll help her once it doesn't hinder you know there's something about you know naming truths and acknowledging truths in that way as part of the very healing process i'm talking about so maybe her dad will get some healing through that maybe she will maybe i will my siblings will anyway my siblings found it difficult but they were happy they're, they're good that way they're like whatever dysfunction there is in, in the judge family um there's a, a a real honor of the truth where we're good at that i think you know we're kind of like okay that's you know they're not judgmental that way you know uh, and they're open to that so but outside the judge family like uh, uh, betty mentioned rachel her first carer who's become a great friend and her rachel's family rachel pega rachel was coming up the next day and i uh, rachel texted me said ah oh, shay she calls me shay that was i cried listening to that god your mom is some woman and she was going up to visit her and rachel and her man went up and, and the man was saying jesus i'm sorry betty you went through that it had it's having that effect now as betty will tell you of course it's all relative there are people worse off people better off it's just sharing the trauma sharing the pain isn't it we're not alone and i've gotten phone calls and texts like jeez your mom is some woman you know you were some little bollocks weren't you and i kind of was but not in any deep dark way you know i was just reacting to things uh as i knew how you know um or as i didn't know how uh, at the time you know every family has a scapegoat and i was doing i was playing that role gallantly uh getting into a bit of trouble and trying to take the attention if you remember me doing the roles of the family there'll be one tries to take the attention off negatively you know Again, it's all an unconscious process. So I was doing that by being expelled, by getting, you know, involved in some petty crime, like I'm talking shoplifting and real silly little shit, drunk and disorderly and, you know, that type of stuff. But, um, yes, so lots of feedback from Betty Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Where was daddy? Indeed. And of course, in, 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 in sync with this particular episode, she named that and she went on to marry someone who portrayed almost identical patterns to her own father in terms of uh, uh, non-presence, coldness, disrespect, all of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, my own father, like, you know, I'm not, it's not a father passion thing. He has, has, he's still alive. He is, has dementia. He's in a nursing home at the moment. He's in the mid-late 80s. Uh, he has some good points in his life. I'm not here thinking, but there was a dreadful letdown on on on, on all parts, and I could I could sense that as a kid, even how unpresent he was, how he really felt like a lodger all the time, the strange man that came in. Now I just wanted the attention of, and then when when Betty spoke about God, I just wanted my dad to hold my hand. I just wanted to walk beside my dad, even if I ever got the chance to go with him. He always, you remember when you're a kid, your parents walk too fast and you'd be running to try catch them. Just that feeling all the time, you know, um, of of the very simple fundamental things that we want to need, just acknowledgement and connection. And of course, I know in, in no way of excuse, he came from a family of 14 in, in a two-bedroom house in Canberra, can you imagine? And they were the family with the kind of like, the lead, there were bigger families. This is true in a lot of places in Dublin and around. Uh, a two-bedroom family with like 16 people in it. Um, and they were there, even though they were poorish, they were the better off. They were selling from the house. You know, there's a bit of a debate as to how good they were at doing it. They just kept stuff out on tick. They weren't, you know, the cigarettes and the, the bread and the milk, you know. Um, and, and then they just gave it up, I think, whatever. But uh, they were there, you know, lots of trauma there, transgenerational 
through the generations there as well, you know. So the they're self-explanatory, aren't they? The transgenerational comes down through the generations. We know this, and it's it's we can feel it, we know it, but also there's lots of scientific evidence now that backs this up in terms of DNA and epigenetics, which I'll get back to. Sounds like I'm really smart, doesn't it? Yes, the epigenetics, the DNA. But to say a tiny bit about that when I talk about the ACEs, that's the adverse uh, experiences, adverse childhood experiences that, uh, that came out in the mid-90s, I think it would have been, identifying trauma a particular way in certain families and areas, you know, uh, where this happens and the effect, the impact on health as well as on mental health uh, and culture and society and all of that, you know. So he's, they, you know, so again, at some point, and it's not about not speaking the truth, it's not about saying, oh, that was okay. At some point in the spirit of, I'm going to use the word forgiveness in the broader sense, because <coughs> at the very end, I'll be talking much, much more about change personally. And uh, in terms of the letting go, in terms of, you know, we don't have to like what somebody does, but recognizing somewhere, no matter how bad this person's behave, they're carrying something too. Okay, maybe they're not taking responsibility for it, and that's, we need to name that, that's fair enough. But that somehow we can try and let go of the ill effects it's having on me, and at some point find a peace in myself with them, even though I may not like what they've done or haven't done, you know, so... And that's quite freeing. I'm not always there. Sometimes I can get a bit like, fuck's sake, like everybody, you know, but that's part of the uh, challenge, isn't it? Being human, you know, because um, no more do you know that whenever you deeply need forgiveness yourself, when you're in that humble place, how sweet that is when someone offers you that out of branch. So maybe we need to flick that around as well and create that opportunity for someone. Within within reason, I don't mean going to places with uh, very abusive people. Not at all. You got to protect yourself. That's not what I mean. But I mean even psychologically, spiritually, offering that to someone, because we know how sweet it is when someone says, "Look, it's okay. I didn't like. I, I know you didn't mean any big harm, but you know, uh, redemption's a beautiful feeling. It's very humbling, you know. So it's it is easy to point fingers, and I understand that we do that because we're hurt. It is absolutely easy to do that, understandable, and give out and be angry, absolutely. And we need to go through a bit of that. But at some point, it's like, okay, is this going to help me now or them or the rest of the universe? I'm not sure. So anyway, huge, huge feedback um, for for Betty, mother, mammy, mum, mother, Emma, Emma. All those names um, had a profound effect. And again, it was like, it was a strange interview in a good way to do. We were doing it in her apartment, so the sound was a bit echoey, not like it would be where mm -hmm. in, in my workplace where I do interviews. And it almost had a kind of a therapy feel to it in a, in a strange way, almost like we were opening the door to the therapy room, only it's a son and a mother, you know? Um, and the things she's talking about, I was directly affected by and, and, and all that. So it was a, a very humbling place to be and just to uh, try and make it look. The challenge was just to let her talk, but then she could go way off, which is lovely. And I was hoping I didn't, wasn't too, you know, trying to get a little bit of a timeline on things and so forth. I'm sure there were many flaws I made there, but look, it is as it is. So as a result of that, that inspired like, 
uh, my next uh, podcast, which is this one, episode 67. And without being too kind of like corny, I often don't know what I'm going to do, you know. And that's why I'm, it's it's lovely to have a co-host because you can just fucking show up and bounce shit off each other, you know. But if you're on your own doing it, and I love it, I'm not complaining. It's a bit like, oh, what am I going to do this week? And sometimes there's a theme and it just flows through. I usually record on a Sunday and sometimes Saturday comes and I'm kind of going, God, what am I going to do? It's, it's, it's okay to miss it, of course, you know. Some people joke with me, like, I look forward to Thursday because it, it comes out Thursday mornings now. I record so Saturday, Sunday, it comes out Thursdays. Um, I'm not sure, and I don't want to be repetitive of things. And I try to go off the feedback that I've been given or what feels right or what's in the air kind of thing. So, hang on. TTT. Yeah. So, directly, excuse me, directly as a result of uh, Betty's, Betty Blue's open heart surgery came to mind. That's a song by uh, Gomez, open heart surgery. It was literally like open heart surgery because she was actually making that wonderful connection between how often her heart had been stamped on or broken or hurt and she has a, you know, a real dicky ticker, literally, you know, and she's... Uh, there was a surgery she could have had, but she opted not to have. Uh, and we all agreed it was probably the best thing because there's huge risks with the surgery for her, you know. Um, but yeah, it's that open heart sharing from her about her, her life. And again, it ties in with a lot of the ACEs stuff and the community stuff and the transgenerational stuff um, from, you know, poverty and hardship and deprivation and squalor that a lot of people in Dublin and many cities were experiencing in the 40s and 50s. You know, she certainly wasn't alone in that. But on top of that, then she had this awful personal tragedy and an unpresent father and her mom dying so suddenly, so young, and all the, you know, all the circumstances around that, the, the abuses that, that took place and what went on, that dreadful yearning she had all the time just to be seen and noticed. And that's an important one in terms of like healing transgenerational pain because it's natural to yearn as human beings for connection, for love, it's fine. But when you find that so strong in you, not in a bad way, the chances are you're picking up on a familial or transgenerational yearning, something that hasn't been satisfied. And it may be go right back to the famine or the place of being alone. I think the famine hunger, we're hungry for food, obviously. But at that deeper level, food and love and, and sex and, and affection, they all merge into one. It's the same thing. So uh, that's why the hunger can be so powerful, so overpowering sometimes and maybe insatiable or hard to, to find. But I think when you get to understand it more and tame it, and it's okay. And be, be at peace with it. Because uh, it's a beautiful thing to, to want, desire, to yearn, connect for connection. Alrighty, so yeah, the stuff around conspiracy culture, Trumpy culture, I might do another podcast on that because there's, there's an awful lot in that, you know. Um, but just to uh, to say at this level, at the transgenerational and the transfamilial and the intergenerational, they're all interconnected kind of terms, you know, um, how we impact each other, you know, we're looking at like as I said, poverty, hardship, deprivation, squalor, addiction, depression, anxiety. I mentioned Ballymun, and I'm, I'm, I'm as, as proud as ever of Ballymun, but I'm naming realistically because I 
lived and worked there for so long and still have strong connections there. And it could be any other community, working class communities in Dublin or anywhere. Uh, the You see when they get on to talking about the ACEs here, the poverty, poor opportunities for education, how important they are to keeping trauma and keeping the cycle going. You know, screaming addiction problems, always. Yes, and while there's individual responsibility for that, I'll get to that, of course, of course. Responsibility is not blame. But you've got to ask yourself, how does that happen? How, you know, how, how come there's so much, so many uh, early school leavers, uh, people getting caught up in, in, in addiction, either, you know, there's drinking going on, uh, familial stuff, uh, criminality, <coughs> that's the case to, to try and make ends meet. Um, the cycle, the cycle of crime, addiction, you know, all of that type of stuff, the continued. And I've seen it over the years and, and, you know, you'd have fucking people from the media coming out and community workers and different people and we need to do, and they're right, this needs to happen. And yeah, and ministers promising this, that and the other, and it doesn't happen, you know, and quite a lot of it could be resolved with, with money being pumped into the right places with proper resourcing, because that's a, you know, you don't, you know, you don't need me to listen to, to Dino Scurry or Sparky or any of them. There's loads of people out in Ballymore. That's a fucking thriving community. Always was, in spite of all of that. You know, it's it's survived. It's survived. You know, it's wounded, but it has survived with such spirit and such, you know, creativity and wonder and magic. You know, let's learn from that and, and add to it and kind of, you know, because the community represents the person and the, the community, then the person represents the community and the greater society and the world. It's the same, you know? What are we looking at? Often you'll hear me saying the, the most, the wisest things are the simple things. You know, the community needs oxygen, love, care, respect, money, you know, opportunities, consistency. So there's Ballymun, you could say, and Ballymun has one travelling community within there. And I had Louise there a couple of weeks back, and we'll have possibly a couple of other people as we move on through the months. All the stuff she had to come on touch with, all of that. Prejudice and door slamming and abuse and, you know, and how the travelling community have been ripped off. Now, some of you may be saying, ah, they gladly have all... They don't. Some of them do, but like I'm talking more collectively, yeah. What what they've had to deal with, you know, and what they continue to have to deal with, you know, and all they want is to be an ethnic group in their own right, not integrated per se to be like us, but live with us and respected by us and us them, and to have the same opportunities. I know it may sound oversimplified, but it's not a lot to ask, is it? You know, and I think we could be smart enough in the world to do this. This this, um, this has been said before a million times. I'm not saying nothing new here. We all know this, you know. Is it the will that's needed? Is it lack of will, lack of understanding? Or is it part of the trauma, if you like, that keeps people stuck and not able to change or, or to respond or to help? You know, let's see, because everyone's affected by this. Okay. So, you know, you have the travelers, the Romani. Look through history. I've mentioned their Irish history, where this pain and trauma is just, you know, often overwhelming. Slaves, you know, Native Americans, African Americans, 
all the different groups, you know, that have been colonized or have experienced, you know, collective kind of rape, uh, pillaging, stripped of identity, values, dignity, you know. They all, what they all have in common? Huge addiction problems, like nearly intolerable addiction problems. Native Americans, when the white man introduced alcohol to them just to shut them up, boom, off the scale. You know, because the, the systems weren't able for it. You know, and that's, that often happens. So I'm far from anyone, I'll, I'll do, I certainly will do something on conspiracy because uh, I think it's fucking bizarre what's going on around the conspiracy cultures. But I think it's healthy to question and wonder about things as well, factually. You know, it's no surprise that those communities are being kept down by addiction. Some people say they bring it on themselves. Absolutely not. Yes, everyone's accountable. We all have to stand up a bit. But the kind of themes that keep people kind of disempowered, you know, is very, very interesting. So what what, what empowers people, you know? Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's ironically is the word it might be. I'll take Ballymore, for example. Beautiful recovery community. Wonderful, thriving recovery community, you know, for, for families, for people uh, in, in recovery from all different types of addiction. Thriving. Absolutely thriving. You know, against the odds. So it doesn't take much. It wouldn't take much to just tweak a little bit at the, at the more political level for communities like Ballymun to to enhance that, to support that, you know. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, like I've often talked about, here I am doing this and, 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 and working as a psychotherapist. There was a, in the 70s, that was unheard of. I, I wasn't doing it in the 70s, I was too young. Do you know, uh, how, why is that? You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, if you don't want to be one, fine. If you want to go work, do it, be a painter or whatever you want to be, fine. But what do you want? Why can't we follow everyone? Why isn't that not equal opportunity for everyone to follow that? Why didn't someone say, Jimmy, you're a bit of a bollocks in the class, but you're really good at listening to people. I think you'd make a good psychotherapist. <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? Uh, you know, to be a bit imaginative, a bit creative <laughs> on that one. Uh, and there's so many uh, kids that were like me and are like me who may may have, I'll dare to say, talents in a particular area that may not be being nurtured because of where they're from or how they are because people from there don't do this. Uh, what was Lynn Ruan's book that I read? Uh, people like me. People like me, you know, she's a senator, but people like me or aren't supposed to be senators, you know, uh, and she isn't a very successful one too. Okay, I think you get get my drift there. So, so a lot of the theme running through this, and as I get as I move along, we'll be breaking the chains. We can change. We can fucking change. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that beautiful? Hang on. Have a scratch and a drink of tea. So I'm going to say a little bit about, and so hopefully these will all knit together. Because again, to refer back to Betty Blue, the stuff that was going on for her and many other families at that time. The trauma of that is with us today. You know, it's down coming down through my genes. Not me Wranglers from the 70s or me Levi's, but you know what I mean, genetically. Um, so I'm go, I'll, I'll come back to the epi, epigenics. Uh, I feel kind of out, out of my league talking about that stuff because obviously it's not my area. Oh, really, says you, we thought you were an epigenic expert. 
<laughs> anyway, what's become known as ACEs, right? Adverse childhood experiences. This this exploded around the mid nineties, I think it might have been. Um simply a part of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. The researchers were Vincent Felit, Robert and uh, and colleagues. I'll get that name correct for you now. Hang on. Fenner, I think it's an unusual name. Are often attributed to the but lots of people were aware of this, the development and, and understanding of, of these, ad, you know, adverse experiences, which were in America, in the inner cities, in the black communities, the Hispanic communities, this is where they noticed this. So why'd you got poverty, uh, poor, same stuff, same Ballymun stuff, could be Ballymun, could be Ballyferma, could be Fingers, could be, you know, could be, uh, South Hill or Myros and Limerick, could be Cork, it doesn't fucking matter, could be anywhere, could be Liverpool. We know what we're talking about here, right? So, this is where I began to know, social workers, therapists began to notice this with, with kids who are running into difficulties, into addictions, mental health problems, problems in school, not going to school, you know, uh, health issues, you know. So, we know, there's a violence, abuse, neglect, mental health or substance misuse problems will be rampant in those neighborhoods. You know, in, in the projects, in the hood, as they say. You know, The Wire, for example, is, is why it's such a beautifully written and acted piece of, of drama, so, social studies. If you haven't seen The, the Wire, set in Baltimore, uh, what, what, a, what a piece of work that was, my God. See, this is all over that, the adverse experiences. And then the politics behind it, it's so, so clever what they, how they name that, you know. So you get the picture, right? So toxic stress from ACEs can affect brain development, can affect how the body responds to stress. So you have like child physical abuse, child social abuse, sexual abuse, my apologies, child emotional abuse, child emotional neglect, child physical neglect, you know, um, addicted or mentally ill or depressed person in the home. These are all the kind of, now people from families that aren't in the hood or aren't in, in neighborhoods like Ballymun or wherever, of course can have these in isolated incidents, you get more. And there's trauma in every family. But the these adverse childhood experiences can tend to be uh, intensified in the kind of communities I'm talking about. So you get domestic violence, parental abandonment through separation, divorce, and these are all interlinked with all those kinds of problems. Poverty, can put huge stress on a family and maybe if the poverty wasn't there they maybe have a chance of staying together or or separating amicably you know or addressing the abuse issues that's going on or addressing the kind of uh dysregulated feelings and pain that's getting thrown all over the place okay another uh, indication where growing up in a family or a community where the parent has mental health condition or is a victim of abuse, physical, sexual, emotional abuse in the family, and that's passed on. So you get those layers of stuff going on. You know, you've got the shame of the community as well because of how people are talking about it. So it's all very intensified, right? I think I don't necessarily know if I have to go fully into that as such, into the what the ACEs are. Um, there's actually a questionnaire you can get. If you Google ACEs, there's a questionnaire for the type of thing I'm talking about here but I'm pretty much naming what, what, and if, I think if you, 
two or three on that if you score like they're reckon, reckon, recognizing you you have what they call aces you've got adverse childhood experiences you know separation divorce addiction within the family uh, different types of abuse poverty uh, community poverty all those contribute they're never in isolation to someone and the impact of that is what we often call complex post-traumatic stress disorder as I've gone into quite a few times, how we are in ourselves, the way we see ourselves, how we approach relationship, how we, how bad we feel about ourselves, the kind of negative habits and behaviors we get into, and maybe we get into addiction and the whole thing goes on. That's the trans and intergenerational stuff I'm talking to, you know. The seasons go round and round, Joni Mitchell, the circle game. She's not particularly talking about this, but she's just talking about how things go round in a circle, and they do, okay. So, as I said, the title of this is A Family Affair, and as you know, I love Sly and the Family Stone, who would have been very socially aware and political, um, but it's a great groove, the song Family Affair from 1971, from the album There's a Riot Going On, there's the, there's the political connection for you. Um, so, it, it, here's a couple of lines now. One child grows up to be somebody that loves to learn and another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn. Mom loves both of them, you see. It's in the blood. Both kids are good to mom. Blood's thicker than the mud. It's a family affair. It's fucking great. It's just such a great groove. It has that feel to it, you know. Um, even though I don't, not sure the song's talking directly about uh, adverse family experiences, but I think it might be hinting at that and the kind of work that they did which was very social and political, would have been they were coming from communities like that in, in America back in the late 60s. Okay. Yeah, and you had people then like, obviously, Martin Luther King, and you had uh, Malcolm X, you had the Black Panthers, that whole movement. It's actually a really good film on Netflix, The Black Judas, I think it might be called, about the Black Panthers. Really, really interesting. So the epigenics element, so, so what it actually is, is... The study of how your behaviors and your environment can cause changes in the way your genes work, right? They don't necessarily change the genes, they change how the information is processed. So it doesn't change your DNA sequence, but it can change how your body reads, like, DNA sequences, right? So with the ACEs, there's a lot of physical abuse, there's a lot of neglect, there's a lot of emphasis on the, what they recognize as kids who grow up in the, these families or communities are much more prone to diseases like cancer, like you know, there's obesity, there's, uh, what's the, um, give me a second now, diabetes of course, uh, there's a term, it'll come to me in a minute, uh, but much more, much more health problems because of diet, because of poverty, because of stress. And you know, people not being able to, even if they are eating well, you know, use the nutrients from the food because there's too much cortisone running through the system, you know, it's too much stress. So they're open to getting sick all the time, you know, always ill, time out of school, out of work, all that stuff. Leaning on chemicals then to, to help. So the environment is huge. The environment affects, you know, that's what epigenics is about how your behavior in the environment can cause changes in the way you are in how vulnerable or susceptible you are to illness or depression or anxiety or all those kind of prevalent things. Okay, so I can't think of what that term is, I want to get it. Uh, autoimmune diseases, 
they're classic stress ones you know like diabetes like uh, uh ms there's loads of them i have um can't think of what i have imagine i can't i forget what i have what i possess uh not crohn's the other one colitis it's a real classic that's a classic aces kind of thing right colitis just right there in the gut you know uh, it's an autoimmune disease the system is fighting itself to try to heal itself but it's reacting to stress you know and and dietary issues can be there for sure you know and there may be other reasons but that's a classic one so all the autoimmune diseases are big here you know the classic then depression, addiction, anxiety issues, mental health issues piling up, uh, lack of resources to deal with these things, not enough money or help being pumped into places that need these things. You can see how it goes on. It can seem a bit hopeless, can't it? But it, it actually isn't because, as I said, from the Ballymuns of this world, from the, the South Hills in, in Focal Limerick or the, the Bronx in, in New York, wherever it happens to be, from them from them places often the light can come and change can happen yes it needs outside help but that's often where the creativity happens so hang in there okay so that's what epigenics is it's that it's, and, and we can change that this basically you know because we can feed different information to ourselves we can eat better foods we can learn to relax we can learn to decrease cortisol in our systems and and adrenaline and i've touched on those before get more oxytocin get more serotonin or change our environment much much more uh, exercise health better all of that stuff i'll get more into that later on that automatically that changes then the epigenics I don't know if I'm using that term correctly, actually, but it influences then how uh, the the code in your DNA reacts, basically, for the positive, more healthily. So that's usually significant to the transgenerational stuff because in the genetic code, we're carrying all of that and all of the trauma. So that can actually be changed by our behaviors and environment changing. Isn't that just fucking cool? You know, Obviously, if you want to know much more about that, I know it's not my area of expertise, as I said. You can look up that epigenics. It's really interesting. Reds are put me onto that, by the way, just to say these were the Reds are collaborations and conversations. She was talking a lot about all that I'm saying. Um, oh, incidentally, she has, incidentally, like it's a huge big thing. She's got a procedure tomorrow. She's in the matter, which... Uh, it's going to be okay either way, but we'll determine how how quickly recovery can happen for her. Basically, that's what I'm going to say. We're, we're hoping, fingers crossed, she will. They will discover from this procedure that, uh, you know, basically, as as you all know, she's already had a a, a radical mastectomy and lots of treatment for that, and a reconstruction, which was huge. Then they've discovered there's a tumor in the other breast. But hopefully, the fingers crossed, prayers out that the the, the 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 surgeon wants to save the breast, and it doesn't have to be the big radical ordeal. Uh, they'll know from this procedure whether that will be the case, and then there'll be just some uh, some more uh, radiation uh, and a recovery. Hopefully, anyway, that's all hinging on tomorrow. She won't know tomorrow, of course, for that process. So look, sending you out love and the light, Reds are loads of love to you. Um, You've been through the mill with this, as we know a lot of people go through. Um, and, and again, cancer would be huge on the ACEs. Uh, and there's Betty saying there were three of us in the one family. You know, and that's not unusual, is it? We know this can happen.
you know. Uh, so to Reds or anyone around the world or we know in our, our lives that are suffering, be they children or adults, to just send good vibes, healing to them all. mentioned uh, as the Irish we've we've been colonized raped ravaged by the British we had the famine grief and loss is profound you know the distress the loss of language our home culture dignity again you know all, as, as Louise spoke about all having to go to England for work and all that stuff and the kind of confusion around all of that you know at the same time as Betty said you know thank God that loads of men and women were able to get that bit of work they'd have starved or if they had to stay here, you know, but going over to the very people that fucked us up in the first place, you know, uh, yeah, starvation, hunger, yearning. I've made that point. Classic would be the Holocaust as well, war, um, abuses, plagues, famine, you know, slavery. As I mentioned, dehumanizing experiences, trauma at that level. Funny, a lot of the stuff, the, the dark tetrad types of trauma, especially with the uh, sadistic piece, it's kind of like plays out in this, in a, in a bigger, on a bigger stage, doesn't it? You know, because you look at any of those things, you know, the Holocaust, the wars, the famine, the, the colonization with the British, they were brutal, the, you know, the black and tans, all of that stuff, they were cruel, sadistic people, really, really abusive. We've got that on going on. Slavery was so cruel and abusive. The Holocaust, we don't, you know, we've seen all those pictures. Imagine there's people still denying the Holocaust. I will get there, they, they, they link into the kind of conspiracy uh, culture, you know, as I said, which is quite healthy to question things. I don't trust governments all the time or whatever, but healthily, you know, where again, not because of Trump, but he's a big part of it since his. Uh, became president in 2016 and then the whole COVID thing it just went fucking mad I've never it just went fucking bananas that good healthy questioning things which I like you know I like good critical thinking you know not not trusting everything you you believe just it went has gone to and is still around to an insane level of stuff that's just dangerous and, and unreal it's like what the fuck are you talking about you know you used to be a smart cookie like question it yeah but then when you get the facts Ah, but you're listening to the wrong facts. Do your research, you know. So I think there's a, a podcast on that type of stuff because there's so much in it, you know. And it's a very traumatic thing. I think it's a reaction to trauma, personally. I really do. But it's completely misplaced and it's it's people... I can't understand why there seems to be millions. I think in America there's, there's probably about 50 million. Now, thank God there's about 300 million the other way who are still buying into Trump and all that bollocksology. I don't give a fuck about Biden. I don't think he's that much better <laughs> by, by a whisker a little bit. So, because they always do the aboutism. Oh, what about Biden? Fuck Biden. Your guy's off his fucking tits. You know what I mean? And spreading dangerous stuff around the world, you know. He's threatening judges and everything now. He's a lula. Um, if it was a comedy, it would be great, but it's serious. And I think it's a bit dangerous. And uh, he, you know, there's a, he's, he's a, this fascistic kind of desires there. Right, you can see already again, I'm gonna, I'll come back to that 
as I said, politically, I don't care where you, where you stand. Let's look at basic goodness and decency here. The man's a fucking moron and a total, total, absolute psychopathic narcissist without any shadow of a doubt. Very dangerous uh, and harmful to people. I, I don't know what they're all saying. I, I know I say that, what the fuck? I think there has to be a bit of brain freeze going on there somehow. You know, I don't know. Fascinating stuff. Okay. So, you see what I'm talking about uh, with the ACEs, with the transgenerational trauma, you know, what Betty Blue experienced and many, many other people were, I'm not, not because of horror, people were feeling that pain in us because sometimes, have you noticed, when something happens to you, it feels bigger than it kind of should. That's, a, that's often an indication that you're experiencing transgenerational trauma. You know, where you think, God, I should be over this by now, you know. So it's not about the thing it's about anymore. So it's good information to be aware of that and to have some compassion, some softening, not like, oh, why can't I just get over this or that, you know, to be gentle, to be clear, to be curious, to be open, you know. Um, okay. So the intergenerational, the Betty Blue experiences, the, the negative traumatic patterns play out and continue and kind of repeat uh, the original experiences. Like again, uh, her choice of partner. I'm sure it wasn't conscious, of course, but she felt so little value of herself. Obviously, she's going to choose someone who's going to play out the familiar, you know. Now, there's more to it than that, we know. Okay, so again, I'm going to use the term, we need to break the chain. Okay, break the chain. And we can. We absolutely can. Um, the wonderful Lou Reed, who I of, often quote his songs from the album New York from 1989. It's an album I absolutely love. And it's got, you know, typical Lou Reed style. It's got that slightly cynical vibe to it, the way he speaks. But it's a song called End the Cycle. And I've jotted down a few. It really captures some of this. He says, the bias of the father runs on through the son, leaving him bothered and bewildered. The drugs in his veins only cause him to spit at the face staring back in the mirror. Better than the mum or the daddy did. Better than the childhood they suffered. The truth is they're happier when they're in pain. In fact, that's why they got married. Now, it is a bit cynical, but you know that we see that pattern. The people are kind of, in vertical commas, happy in the pain. Now, they're not really happy, but it becomes very familiar. And we know the couple that are killing each other, they're going to be loving each other next week. And that the pattern goes on, you know, uh, in that sense. That's what he's talking about, the endless cycle. But we can break that cycle. That's really why I use that because it, I won't say it's a hopeless song, but he really is a bit cynical and kind of going, look, this is this is what they do. You know what I mean? This is what they do. Uh, I've mentioned conspiracy culture, conspiracy culture, which I also call Trumpy culture. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve uh, a podcast for that. So let's move on to what I'm going to call, uh, yeah, again, again, breaking the chain, change the record. Uh, Make different or new decisions, choices that will alter the course of your life for those around you and, and, and those that came after you and those that came before you, right? So let's move into the section now that I'm maybe going to call transpersonal. You've heard me use that term before, transpersonal, which is just another word for spiritual. Um, could be religious, doesn't have to be religious. You don't have to believe in God. To, to, this is about purpose, meaning that interconnectedness, that wider space. And I said I was going to mention Groff. Stanislav Groff was a scientist uh, and a psychiatrist. He married Christina, Christina Groff, who was 
got into recovery and wrote books about that. And they developed holotropic therapy, holotropic breathwork. They're interested in the holo holographic mind and all that kind of stuff. Really interesting stuff. Anyway, he did a lot of work around um, the what we call pre and perinatal psychology of psychotherapy in and around birth, how the uh, fetus, embryo or fetus is impacted by, and again, it's not about blaming ma or da or nothing like that. It's just what happens uh, by the environment again. This is where some of the transgenerational stuff can come in. And we can't stop this from happening other than supporting women better in their pregnancies and having good environments. But think of a lot of the environments in which we're born into, you know. Um, so it's often called uh, um, umbilical negative input. So there's a direct line through the umbilical cord right into, into the being, into the little fetus. who We have no defense mechanisms. So some of that good stuff comes in too, of course. Lots of good stuff. You can it, it can begin there. Some people say it might begin in conception or pre, if whatever, depending on what your beliefs are. The patterns of life, you know, the the exchange of information, you know. And again, as you'll hear me talking about in trauma, it's often the interpretation. That's why a huge part of breaking the chain is the renegotiation of what this means now. Now I've got new information. It doesn't mean I'm a stupid cunt or there's something deeply wrong with me at all. It doesn't mean that at all. Yeah. You know, um, it means I was connected to someone who was deeply stressed. There's a term that's called transmarginal stress. And often because uh, an embryo or fetus is so vulnerable in that way, and also quite tough, but will absorb everything and wouldn't even have a mind then they can kind of go, oh, hang on a minute, I don't think that's true. Just hold on a fucking minute. It just goes in as negative and painful. And it's the belief that develops with that, you know, and we can change that, of course. That's the beauty. So anyway, he did loads of work. So <coughs> I'm not going to do it justice here. If you're interested in that, I recommend you look up Stanislav Grof, Beyond the Brain, The Holotropic Mind, um, Realms of the Human Unconscious, anything by Grof. Another really good one would be The Storm Research for the Self by him and Christina Grof. Really great stuff if you're interested, because I wouldn't be doing it justice here. But he, he coined this phrase condensed experiences right coexes and i what i i find these fascinating so he's basically saying that i really just break it down right that there are certain experiences because i've mentioned this before senses of ourselves that we have that fear even deja vu that feel quite familiar right and from the trauma point of view one of the classics when you kind of peel away the backstory and all that and you look at what's really going on is there is something wrong with me i am not a good person i am a shameful person uh i'm not quite right variations of that theme there's something wrong with me i'm not lovable i'm not and again these aren't conscious but when we in therapy work that's often what we find is hanging around there somewhere influencing this behavior right and if you think about everything i've been saying Think of the family, think of the environment, think of the community, the country, the world. That message is coming in at all levels and it's on all those levels, right? And it may be from conception, it may be, we may get it in our birth, we may get it in the womb. Somehow, as I said, it's not like the babies there kind of going, oh, I think there's something wrong with me. I don't think it works that way. You know, that comes a bit later on in adulthood. It's responding to that awful sense of something's not right. I'm, I'm, 
I'm not like everybody else. I'm different. I'm alien. I'm wrong. You know, that traces right back to there. But then you'll find it traces back to something that happens when you're a baby. And then it may, it's the same feeling coming through. It's like an echo, right? Coexes are like echoes. And then in the teenage years, and then, you know, into addiction, whatever it might be, that same theme, it's thematic. Does that make sense? It's like, even though circumstances may all be changing, I'm a different age, you ever get that same fucking feeling and you're kind of going, fuck, there's that feeling in my gut again. Like, this, I'm, ju I'm just wrong. There's something, I've made a mistake. I shouldn't be here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite right. I'm blah, 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 right? Variations of that. That's key. Now, the beautiful thing about that is all you have to do with the condensed is condensed is take one of them. doesn't matter from what year. If you get one, it's like the, it's kind of a holographic piece. If you take one, the rest will all come with it. How cool is that? So if you're healing, if I'm healing a piece of shame, a piece like shame's come in pieces. It's this shameful thing because I can feel that. I can feel that shame sometimes right in my gut, right in my intestines, right up through my heart. That burning feeling of humiliation. I'm not quite right. I'm an ugly, awful person. Some part of me knows that's not true. But if I'm working with that at a deeper level, beginning to recognize that really isn't true. You know, what's Gabor Mate's famous saying? Is that true today? You know, it's a great saying. That really, Matt Gabor Mate would be good, big on all this stuff too. Is that really, really true? And you know, you're doing the talking about it. You maybe you're crying a bit. You're letting go. You're looking at it. You're you're renegotiating. You're bringing more of a gentle, compassionate mind, inquiring mind to the situation. Kind of going, well, it doesn't really bear out. I'm not. I'm actually quite lovely. I'm beautiful, really. But uh, that feels really weird to say. You know, right? So by doing that, by doing that kind of work, and it's ongoing work for us. We know. Just imagine if I do that, I'm freeing up Betty Blue. It's unconscious. Maybe my father. Maybe their father's fathers. Maybe back, because like all of us, uh, on, on both sides, there were people uh, fighting the, in the War of Independence and uh, fighting the Black and Tans. And that goes way back, way back into the famine. Maybe I'm healing that. Maybe they're healing me from wherever they are. What a wonderful idea. But with a condensed experience, you don't have to go, oh shit, I have to get every... You get one, then it gives you the information for all the rest. And that's our that's our life work. Because like, I know we're complex as human beings, but I promise you, every ill I've ever had, I can always trace back to a feeling like, it's not true, there's something wrong with me. As I said, all that's wrong with me is I think there's something wrong with me. I'm a bit odd, I'm not uh, lovable, I'm, you know, fucking a bit, you know. There's shame in me. There's people wouldn't want to really know me or love me. I'm unlovable. I could contaminate you. That's an awful experience. And I know others have had that. That it's, it's absolutely irrational. It's not true at all. That's all part of transgenerational pain and suffering. Think about it, you know. Because again, unless you've done or acted in a way, right, which few of us have, that warrant those feelings, where are they coming from? Why do I feel so guilty for yeah, sometimes I've got to put my hands up and say, God, I made a mistake. I'm really, really sorry about that. Of course. But that's a different thing. This is at a much deeper level. It's like savage levels of pain and suffering. So it's a new way to understand that. You know, and, and the liberating part is that maybe, and I believe we can, heal very deep wounds for both me, my siblings, 
and it's, it's it's done at a different level. You don't have to have big conversations about it. The people that came before me, the people that will come after me, and they're doing the same for me, because I would certainly believe wherever consciousness goes, wherever our loved ones are going, I think they're rooting for us. You know, I really do. That's there without a shadow of a doubt. Um, egging us on to 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 do this stuff. Do you get me? Again, and I've said a lot, you know, a classic example of breaking the chain, let's just use addiction, addiction recovery. I talked about Ballymun having a wonderful recovery community, as many areas in Dublin and Ireland do, whether that's alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex addiction, whatever the thing is, right? It's huge and families changing and people doing work on themselves. That's wonderfully happened. Chains have been broken all over the place. That's automatically altering how reality will be in the future because people are sitting in rooms with a group and, and talking honestly or sitting on a one-to-one or chatting to people or changing their behaviours or going for a jog or going to the gym. These are hugely important things where we make these changes, right? And we don't have to be, have an awareness of everything we're changing. Just have a sense of this. Okay. So let it begin with me. I can start with me. And imagine me starting with me or you starting with you could impact so many people past, present, and future, because in the transpersonal sense, past, present, and future are all one anyway. So you can impact, let it begin with me, Same by observing your family of origin, by even noticing your own habits, behaviors, thinking patterns, and having a willingness and an openness. And I'd always say with a compassionate, inquiring mind. Now, compassion can be tough, but it's never, it's never putting down. It can be like, come on, Jimmy, you need to check this out now but a compassionate, inquiring mind, you know. So recognizing the pain patterns, the trauma trains, that was a, another, I think, a gruff term, the trauma trains, uh, and unhelpful, reactive behaviors. Uh, they're not a fait accompli, that's not in concrete. I can change them. I can change right at the deeper level with the epigenics. I can change health. I can change, you know, so many different things. Uh, the way my mind is, patterns of thinking, patterns of behavior. Absolutely. I can't change who I essentially am, I suppose. And I don't want to because I love who I am essentially, the essence. I'm changing all the shit that I've got around that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The stuff that's not good, you know? All right. And I can do that, as I said, by going to the gym, by changing my diet, by uh, looking different, smiling at people, by being open, by being hopeful, by saying maybe it could be different, by let's do this a little bit differently. So many different ways. And sometimes we have a difficult day and that's fine. We fall on our ass, but we get back again because it can be encouraging to realize, well, this isn't only some of my kind of negative behaviors or patterns. This is something I've been carrying that's generational and cultural and global. Because no matter where you go around the world, underneath it, those core things are there for people. And all cultures can be different and some they handle it differently. You know? People just want to be seen, wanted, needed and loved as they are. I know it's simple, but sometimes the simple things are the most complicated things for us to do as human beings. It ain't rocket science in that sense. We all know instinctively what we need and what, what's needed. Okay. 
So transpersonal, spiritual, transcendence. The word trans is huge, isn't it? Transgender, you could throw in there if you want to. That's a bit, I'll come back to that with the Trumpy stuff because there's a lot of controversy around that around that and the whole woke stuff and what that, that 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 was a good word at one time now it's become fucked up you know um okay we get better health better diet better exercise better these are all interchangeable better relationships better sense of self you know embracing the divine mystery whatever you think that is the interconnectedness of all beings and things you know this can start with one small humble change whether that's going to nature, whether that's finding a little bit of peace, changing something really, really small, you know. Remember that lovely saying, I think it's an old Spanish saying, the smallest, the tiniest of candles can enlighten vast dark spaces. Just a tiny little, little light or a little flicker of a light, a match. Do you have a light? Do you remember lighting a match in a dark place? And just how amazing that was. Imagine more of that, more light coming in, you know. Yeah, so now it's all about growth and development and fire inside, fire in your belly, you know. This is time to change, isn't it? This is time to transform um, all those, could be hundreds and thousands of years of trauma and transgenerational stress and patterns. Just to think that we can change that with a, even in a small way, I find that so exciting. Um, so you're probably doing a lot of this anyway, but sometimes when you have the awareness and the knowledge, the knowledge, knowledge of the world. No, do you know what I mean? When you're kind of carrying that awareness at a deeper level, actually, I could be shifting something else here. You get that awareness. Something else is moving through me and it can integrate better or something, you know. It kind of makes sense of it more, the kind of heaviness that sometimes certainly I can feel in my body, in my being, you know. So whatever your spiritual practices are, or whether you call it spiritual or not, Whatever you do that's good for you, good for your body, good for your soul, good for other people, keep doing that, you know, you know ranging from going to gyms, going for runs, sea swims, walks in nature, uh, yoga, stretching, football, sports, all different kinds of things, meetings, chats, uh, meditation, group meditation, meditating on your own, laughing, being creative, uh laughing at yourself laughing at life enjoying getting that buzz out of life you know in, in spite of the craziness you know so i was thinking of breaking the chain um an album i refer to often uh, i refer to too often or too often i refer to often um and maybe too often i don't know um is what's the first album vinyl album i ever bought was fleet max rumors and the song the chain um you know, the album from 1977, it was an extraordinary album for all kinds of reasons, which I've gone into before. And I probably, probably heard me talk about before. But anyway, one of the tracks, The Chain. Some of you maybe don't, who don't know the band, if you're kind of a bit younger maybe or whatever, or uh, this has an iconic bass line that the Formula One have used for years. So you probably heard it, you know, dung, 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 dung. as soon as you hear it, you'll know instantly. Uh, that's the brilliant John McVie on the band. Mick Fleetwood's on the drums, Fleetwood Mac, named after them too. Uh, brilliant guitar by Lindsay Buckingham. And of course, the superb vocals from Christine McVie, God rest her soul, and the enigmatic Stevie Nicks. Um, and they all harmonise beautifully together. Anyway, the song is called The Chain. You probably, uh, some may have heard it, and if you haven't, seek it out. 
it's really 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 a lovely lovely tune very kind of bit mystical as well however i feel from what they're saying they're talking about breaking that very chain because that album was the whole rumors album was really a way of healing dreadful trauma between the band the breakups and the hordes and the betrayals and everything that was going on all the way through while it was actually being made so they were really transcending uh going through tremendous pain creativity healing you know freedom you know as stevie nick says when the rain washes you clean you'll know from dreams anyway in the, the song the chain it directly refers to breaking that chain you know and you can hear them saying, I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. And I think they're referring to something, a negative hold on the chain. You know, like I was talking in one of the podcasts, the one before Betty Blue, about um, looking in the rearview mirror at the difficult relationships. Try not to do it with any like, fuck them. You know, you might need to do that initially. But, you know, they're happy to not be with you. You're happy to not be, you know, we'll all move on living that live you know breaking away from unworkable relationships unhelpful relationships or situations or friendships or whatever so this is the same breaking the chain you know but there's a great line that says um listen to the wind blow down comes the night listen to the wind blow damn your dark damn your lies damn your love damn your lies and if you don't love me now you will never love me again i can still hear you saying you would never break the chain never break that chain now if you're not in Musically, it's just brilliant to listen to. It's a great song, great, great album, you know. Um, I, I found myself, I never go far and not listen to it, but I was listening to it this morning and again. I was thinking, and I, I felt really old then. They don't make them like that anymore. And they don't. They don't, you know. And the musicianship and the kind of creativity of the songwriting. Anyway, that's the chain. So we're breaking the chain from dark to light. You heard me speaking about this before. And the exciting piece that I'm getting to thanks to Betty Blue's uh, beautiful, very raw sharing of her trauma and pain and loss in her life. It got me really in touch with that transgenerational piece, what we pass down to each other. And Betty herself changed that hugely because she provided great love and light and uh, care for us under ridiculously difficult circumstances. So she started to break that chain. She didn't visit upon us what was visited upon her. And that's really what we're talking about. Just that slight tweak. It can happen just by turning your head one way and kind of going, well, maybe the whole universe could flicker in that moment. Isn't that extraordinary? Just the openness to see something different. It changes everything. Because if we can follow that through with some action, all the better. You know, there's a bigger ripple in that sense. You know, it's... The freeing and beautiful realization that when you uh, change something for the better, you know, let go of a bit, an unworkable relationship, as difficult as that can be, or friendship, change a job or change an attitude in your mind or decide to cut down your drinking or stop it or stop smoking. It can be a million and one things. We all know it. this pattern I get. I keep getting into this kind of, I keep doing the same, falling into this trap in my mind of thinking something is something when it isn't. It doesn't matter when I can actually catch that in the moment and kind of go with love and compassion. Jimmy, that may not be true. Can we look at that some other way? Let's do something different. I love that. Let's try something different. With curiosity, compassion, kindness, openness, creativity. Already the healing has begun. That's a Van Morrison song, isn't it? When the healing has begun, 
You walk through the avenue and stuff. What's that from? Oh, no, what's that from? What's it from? What's it from? It's not from Astral Weeks. He's about a million albums, so it's impossible to pick. It's all in the game when the healing has begun. Forget which album it's from. Great Van Morrison song. But we're talking about the healing. And maybe the healing has begun ages ago for you. But you're becoming more aware of it now. That's what we're talking about. Refining it. Kind of going, yeah. And if you can kind of integrate this transgenerational, transpersonal, transfamilial, intergenerational piece, how we all impact each other and recognize that piece, it becomes really, really powerful and much more meaningful. And, you know, I'm big, big into meaning and purpose. If we have a meaning and purpose, maybe this is the existentialist in me, apparently I'm one of them, among many things. I don't know what I am, I just know I'm me, right? But uh, is I'm fascinated by meaning and purpose, choice, responsibility, what we choose to do. Uh, accepting life suffering on, uh, as it is. I don't mean we should take shit. We don't necessarily need it. But, you know, acceptance being alive means to suffer. That's a kind of Buddhist stance also. Uh, but somehow by accepting that deeply, it can kind of minimize the suffering, you know. And there are certainly lots of behaviors and thought patterns that I try and be aware of that when I change them or, or support them better, I don't suffer as much, you know. And, and then in, in turn, others won't as well. But as I'm going to repeat again, I love the idea that if I make a positive change, that could affect someone on the other side of the world, you know. That's nothing to do with being powerful. It's just, it's humility, isn't it? That we're all interconnected. You know, and I love to think of uh, my granny Lil, who I never met, somehow being healed by Betty's podcast and her dad, Harry, the same. And Diana and Frank on the other side, maybe them, who knows what they're doing, you know, that healing work or healing for the babies that haven't been born yet, coming into a different space. I'm a bit of a dreamer, but there you go. But I'm not the only one, as John Lennon said. We all were all dreamers, aren't we? Yeah, so... You see where I'm going here. It's kind of like, again, if you're comfortable with the term spiritual, uh, fine. If you're not, use a different word. Spiritual just means the breath. Transpersonal means beyond just the person, the interconnectedness of everything. And it, it concerns us with purpose and meaning in our lives and others' lives. And that can become really exciting. That's why I say you get that fire in your belly going about your own development, your own growth, even though it can be painful. But somehow when you're into it, you kind of go, I like this. This days is tough for sure. It, it's it's not a struggle. It's not you know when you have to do it. Fucking have to do this. I have to go to this. There. I have to you know. That's fair enough. You don't want to. Go, you're going against the kind of the Tao. You're going against the grain. But when you flip into the place, I really want to do this. I love this. Is a passion for me to uh, discover who more and more because we're always discovering who we are and who you are and what we are and all that type of stuff. Um, becomes really important. And even just developing things like um. Now, it happens a lot in psychotherapy, of course, depending on your attitude to it. But just as human beings, when we are engaged with or participate, I don't mean cause now, but participate somehow in someone's suffering healing, if we witness it, share it with them, we're automatically going to be healed. It's it's impossible not to be. That was Carl Jaspers. He was a Swiss German Swiss psychiatrist, uh, existentialist. 
that was he, he now I'm not quoting him directly but there were words to that effect he was saying that when we engage if you help someone you get helped you know if you hear someone you get heard it kind of goes that way doesn't it you know give the love you want you know now if it were one of those taco types, they'll they'll drain you. You know, the, there's there's a couple of limits here or there where you can still throw them a bit of love, but you know you're you're really not going to get any back. You know, but you don't expect it. It's okay. It's okay then. You know. So that's what this is all about. This is before I I begin to close. Obviously, uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening for your comments. Thank Betty Blue for giving me the opportunity to interview her. Um. She's been okay since. She's got, as I said, lots of really good feedback. She's her main thing is, oh, well, I hope to help somebody, you know. But she's got no. Um, she's not one of those like, oh, I shouldn't have said all that. She's like, okay, that, that's part of my truth, you know. It's part of who I am. That's that's my story. Um, and she said, sure, if it helps one person or even myself, all the better. She said, and her big thing, she'll do no harm. We'll do no harm, you know. And that isn't that a lovely place to start off with. Let's do. I know we can harm without we can harm intending to. I've certainly harmed not intending to, and I deeply regret that uh, throughout my life. As I'm sure we all do. Uh, there's been no willful, no badness in it, but I have made poor decisions at times, um, and being harmed. And I've known when someone hasn't meant to, and I've known when they have, you know. Uh, but just as a starting point, you know, let it begin with me. Let's break the chain. Do no harm to self or others. You know, it's time. There's been enough suffering, enough pain, hasn't there? There's been enough, you know, there'll be enough real stuff without us having to add in. You know, I've been beaten up enough inside myself. I don't need to do any more. You know, I don't need to do, you don't need to do any more. What would you be like to that, that lovely saying, just to leave yourself alone, even? Just let yourself breathe, you know? <sighs> just be with that, you know? Yeah. But I love the word transformation. It's kind of like there's something exciting about that word. And I think this kind of stuff is, for me is transformative. I love the idea of the world being affected, even if it's by a tiny little thing. Like I said, that tiny light can illuminate the darkest of places. And as I heard, I was listening to the Talking Bollocks lads the other day. I really like them. If you haven't heard them, check them out. Not, not that they need any more listeners. They've, they're huge. But um, Terence and Calvin. And they had your man, the hypnotist on, Keith Barry. It was very interesting, actually. Some really good stuff around smoking and all kinds and trauma and things. Anyway, one of them said at some point, I think Terence was talking about, he says, I can be a bollocks on certain days, but like, just be kind to people, you know, lovely message. Just be kind, say hello to people. That good intention. And the other lad, uh, Calvin, was talking about, it was a really interesting point. Now he said, you know, he said, you've probably heard that one. Uh, if, if, if you light someone's candle with your candle, it doesn't put your candle out. I loved that. I thought, yeah, it's. I think it's an old saying as well. Um, if we if we light up someone else, it lights us up more. No, we keep our light, and I think it make, creates more light. So uh, we give people permission to shine, as uh, Marion Williamson says. You know, you dare to believe in yourself, like you know. So, um, find your own path. It's all about paths. People will be walking the same path as you. Some will be walking different paths. As I said, some you're leaving on a path and you wish them well. That's okay. You might meet up at some other point in the universe. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but you find what's right for you. You know, 
choose your own path. You know, you, you don't have to be alone. There's, there is a certain existential loneliness to being a human being, I believe. Uh, and that's not a negative thing. It's, it's a soulful. I, I kind of like that space. And being introverted, I find that easy to be with. And with that, then, there's a beautiful interconnection with other people. We can walk together. We can be apart for a while. We can come back together again. You know, we never have to be alone in that awful, shameful place ever again. You know, um, I love that. Um, so whatever practices you're using that are really good for you, enhance your life, that bring joy. Think of joy. Bring joy to you. Joy is really healing. Laughter and joy. Tears, sadness is healing. To let it go. To release it. Keep doing if you want to add in anything, add that in. Even add in the awareness like, God, just consider. Through the grace of whatever God you think there may be or, or whatever you want to call the universe, the great, the great spirit, whatever it is, that by that, what may seem like a small change, like smiling at a stranger, boom, the impact of that, the absolute impact of that. You know, I remember, I remember I had this experience the other day. I was on a bus and I was chatting. Now, it's usually older people I chatted to, and, and then it, I'm saying, I was saying, I'm chatting to this older. Then I realised I was one of them that people used to see. The other way, old people would always talk. They don't get as much of it now, unfortunately. Older people will chat to you straight; they're dying to talk. And then I realised I'm one of them. You know, we could be waffling about the weather, but it's the interaction, it's the connection. You know, where you off? Do you have to work? That, 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 that. You know. And I remember on buses used to hear chitter chatter all the time. Now you don't hear anything. Everyone's heads are down. You know, I think that's a bit sad. You know. Uh, as, as brilliant as technology can be, you know, we're, we're losing something, I think, vital. Uh, and of course, generally older people won't, no, I do wear headphones, but I'll whip them off if I sit beside someone. If I get a sense there's a conversation, I'm going to go down, you know, um, give them a little nod or a smile or whatever, you know, to indicate a signal. Can we talk? You know, I always, I always chat to the busman. I don't just say thank you again. I say hello. And they look at you sometimes like, yeah, get on. You know, then you get something like, oh, how are you? How are you? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. That's lovely. I remember that as a kid, people chatting to bus conductors and bus men and that interaction. Again, really seemingly mundane stuff. We'll never know the importance of that for the other. When I do it, I walk away feeling good, you know, um, or just catching someone's eye in the street and smiling at them, you know. So from the smallest things to the huge, big gestures, it doesn't matter in, in the eyes of the great spirit, I don't think. Acts of purity, love, kindness, gentleness go a long, 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 long way. And we'll, the beauty is, the mystery of the divine, we'll never know. But you feel it's good, don't you? You know, I always feel good when someone is kind to me. It ripples on and I bring that to someone else and so forth. So I think you get that and you get that feeling then of something deeper healing. That's what I want you to be aware of. Yeah, I was just thinking of like likes of Martin Buber, the I thou, the sacredness of the human relationship, the space between the field I talked about, that magical space that can happen between us, you know, where a magic can happen in a moment. And, you know, think about this, centuries of misery could dissolve there and then. I think if you're open to it, fucking interesting, isn't it? It excites the fuck out of me anyway. Anyway, I'm going to begin to finish, um, and I decided uh, I'll finish from a song by the Vaughan Brothers. Now, the Vaughan Brothers may mean nothing to you, but if I said to you Stevie Ray Vaughan, that may mean nothing to the younger people, but Stevie Ray Vaughan is probably, as Reds I know, is my 
all-time favourite blues guitarist, and I love blues guitar. I could name, you know, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan could go toe-to-toe with Clapton, with the the un- the totally underrated Rory Gallagher from our own Rory Gallagher, best blues guitarist ever, phenomenal guitarist, uh, Buddy Guy, all those great guys, BB King, just millions of them. But Stevie Ray Vaughan can hold his own. They all loved him, and he he had a, a addiction problem. And he got recovery. He was writing songs about recovery, and he was into change and this type of stuff I'm talking about here. And uh, he died tragically in 1990 in a helicopter accident. Um, you know, um, as did Bill Hicks, not not in a helicopter accident. Bill Hicks died of cancer, and he got recovery as well. And he spread lovely stuff through the world, you know, um, through their arts. Anyway, Jimmy Vaughan is Steve Ray Vaughan's brother, cracking guitarist also. The two of them wrote this song or co-wrote this song, maybe with Nora Rogers, called TikTok, right? Fuck all to do with the social media platform. <laughs> this was 1919. This was just before Stevie Ray Vaughan died. Now, it's not the most sophisticated song on the planet, right? It's not the most complex bit of blues guitar, you know, at all. It's a very simple blues, kind of rocky type of groove, right? And the message is simple. The TikTok is about the time. It's not a panicking thing. It's like TikTok, you know, what are we waiting for here, right? Uh, and this message is simple, and you've heard this message a million times before. But here's how the song goes, and I kind of want to end on it. And if you don't know the song, check it out, because it's a lovely groove to sway to as well, you know, which I was doing earlier on, actually, just before this. No cats around. I don't know where they went. Sometimes they're just gone. They just disappear. I was swaying to this song because it's got a lovely, you know, sway to it, a lovely groove, a rocking kind of thing to it. So, the song goes, TikTok. One night while sleeping in my bed, I had a dream that all the people of the world got together on the same wavelength and began to help one another. Now, in this dream, universal love was there for the theme for the day. Peace and understanding, it happens this way. The sick and the hungry had smiles on their faces. The tired and the homeless had family all around. The streets and the cities were all beautiful places and the walls came tumbling down. People of the world all had it together. Had it together for the boys and the girls. The children of the world look forward to a future. Remember, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock people. Time is slipping away. And the message I take from that is, because again, they're quite simple lyrics, you know, but the simple stuff is often the most deep, isn't it? And the hardest, the obvious stuff I take from that is like, what the fuck are we waiting for? There was Betty Blue, little Betty Blue. All she wanted was someone to put her arms around her, put your arms around someone. If they don't want you to, don't, because you could get the difficulty. Do you know what I'm saying? But your man on the podcast told me to as you're getting handcuffed away. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Within, you know, you'll sense when it's okay. Hold someone's hand, talk to someone, make the call. Let them know or leave them alone if that's the right thing to do. Whatever it might be, do the loving thing. Forget about the I must. There's nothing. See what I'm after reading out there? There's nothing on the planet more important than that stuff. Nothing. We, we tend to think, oh, I can't. I've got it. What are we so busy doing? What's what's more important than having a loving thought and kind of going, I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to call, like, if, you know, so-and-so my friend or... Uh, I'm going to drop a bit of grub up to so-and-so because I think they're struggling, you know. Quietly, you know, without making a big deal of it, right? You know. Or you're in the street as 
uh, Terence was saying from the talking bollocks, and he 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 wasn't saying it to. You could really tell by his energy. He wasn't saying it to get any kudos. He said because the guy insisted that he talk about it on the podcast. He just coming out one day of a shop and he had a chat with a guy. I used to see him there. He was homeless and addiction. And uh, Terence helped him out a bit and gave him a few bob. Whatever kindness was the important thing. The guy's gotten into recovery, you know, and it's doing really well. So that's what I mean. You don't know. Um, what what are we waiting for? You know. Um, I think I remember Peter McVeary saying this. So the point has been made. I mean, give money to people, do what you like, it's fine. But what's more important is to see someone to look at them. Because everyone's sitting there, someone's brother or sister, someone's daughter, auntie, could be you, could be me, there for the grace of God and all of that. You know, was all of us, it could be all of us. Right? A kind word is no harm. Even if the person gets a bit snappy, you know, money. I'm saying hello, am I? <laughs> the fellow on the podcast said I was to say hello. Fuck him, I want money. No, do you know what I mean? You can have a bit of laugh. I often do that, like, you know what I mean? Uh, or you can get down on your hunkers because people are sitting down so you're not looking down on people. You know, um, and I began, Betty spoke about me going to the work in the Simon, which is very, very different back in 1980. And that really helped me with a lot of that stuff. I kind of felt close to the, the homeless scene at that time, you know. Because um, the beauty about it was, even though it was a, Simon was completely different, then, it was smelly, piss and loused up and the heavy, heavy BO and methylated spirits combined with heavy urine. That smell hung in the air the whole time. But I loved it. I didn't love the smell. I loved the, the simplicity of living because I used to just stay there all the time and help, you know. <laughs> I got to not know whether I was a resident or not. I could have blend it in very much, you know. And then some people didn't know I work out, do you? Yeah, yeah. That's the story of my life, actually. But this, it's the, again, I'm not saying people shouldn't improve their lives, of course, but the humility that was there, people had fuck all, right? Kind word, that was what it was about. People had nothing, you know. Um, and we know this, so I went on a bit. I went on one there a bit, but you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. It could be uh, with with people that are financially doing fucking brilliantly, but they're miserable. You know, give them a call, drop in, smile at them, value them for who they are. You know, we all just want to be valued for who we are. You know, seen, acknowledged, loved, have a bit of fun with someone, find a bit of fun yourself, even laugh when something goes wrong. Laugh at yourself. That's the breaking of the pattern rather than who's fucking always happened to me, you know? <laughs> we can all see that one. Like we just, you find it, the absurdity of it, you laugh at it, you know, and it heals something. So that's my message to you. TikTok, TikTok, what are you waiting for? You know, make the call, get the job, do whatever it is. Take that risk, you know, try it out. Try it out for size. See what it feels like. If it's not for you, you can change. You know, if your intention is good, and you're not doing any harm. There's a whole big world to play in, isn't there? You know? So listen, thank you all again for listening, for sending in your comments. Uh, you can do so at twilightconversations at gmail.com. Um, thank Betty, Betty Blue. And I've been in touch with Louise. I'm going to interview Louise again in a couple of months, maybe. Maybe before Christmas. And maybe a few of my family members over the next couple of months or so as well. If they want. Could be interesting. So it's this, the title of this is, it's a family affair. And I'm talking about our media family. And I'm talking about really the world family, aren't I? Because we're all, <laughs> it's a very humbling end. A fellow, when I was a, a kid doing the painting and decorating, somehow painter and decorator, right? Rough and ready, algae, 
right? One of my uncles. And we're having some kind of conversation. Whatever he picked up off me, I was feeling a bit down. He says, listen, Shay, we all fucking shit the same, right? Don't be fucking worried about anyone else. <laughs> what lovely advice. We all shit the same. So if you're sitting there feeling a bit inferior, just remember that. You know what I mean? Just remember that. What's Jimmy's spiritual message of the day? We all shit the same. But we do. We do. It's very humbling. So listen, I want to thank you. Thank Jared. Thank everyone. And I will be talking to you next week. I'm possibly going to do something on, uh, unless I get feedback. Otherwise, the something about uh, conspiracy culture uh, combined with how the, the narcissistic element can creep in there. You know, I'm not sure, particularly how that happened around the COVID, because I went fucking bananas then. But anyway, as I said, there's, there's a podcast on that. There's lots of interesting points on that, uh, for sure. All right, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to contact me about the content or any question or comment you have about the podcast, you can do so on thetwilightconversations at gmail.com. So, The Twilight Conversations is an independent production. If you'd like to contribute towards the making of the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash The Twilight Conversations.